Cultural appropriation is the act of taking from another group's ideas, traditions, and customs without asking for consent, permission, and without being invited. It's something that today's guest knows a lot about, and I'm grateful that she's here to talk to us about it. Stay aware and help yourself stay informed of this issue. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Ethan, and I'm talking today with Arlene Salcido from Poderosa Movement and Luna Soul Wellness. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. We met at San Diego Pride's SheFest event, which is an event dedicated to honoring women and people identifying with she, her, hers pronouns and just embodying the true spirit of feminine energy. And I could think of no greater way to embody that spirit than the work that Arlene does. So I'm really excited to be able to talk about that today. Thank you. I love that. Tell us a little bit about your background, why this speaks to you, what you do, and just all around why you're passionate about the work that you do. Yeah, um, my background is in basically spirituality with yoga, um, Ayurveda, plant medicine, indigenous rituals and practices. So I have my Luna Soul Wellness business kind of evolved around that umbrella. And then um, that kind of started me on the path to creating a nonprofit, um, which is called the Podrosa Movement. And so just... Um, having my own business and being in that space, uh, being a woman of color, identifying as a Latina woman, um, I just started to see this, the big gaps in diversity and inclusion when it comes to the spiritual health and wellness community, as well as professions and spaces. So that's what kind of got me on the tra- trajectory of the Podrosa movement. I love that. So that's one of the same reasons that I started doing what I do with working with LGBTQ plus on businesses, it quickly evolved to working with anybody who has felt like they are other in society and people who just don't always get to be a part of mainstream things or things that are traditionally part of their culture have been just taken away from them, whitewashed, rainbow washed, or whatever you want to call it. It's just been taken and misused. So one of the things that I admire a lot about how you shifted and pivoted to solve the problem in society or continue to solve the problem in society that you see is that you said, I'm passionate about this and I want to make sure that people are able to see where the gap needs to be filled. And that something that is not always traditionally from white women is something that you want to help people understand that they can still do that too. Yes, because a lot of the practices that even I studied, like, for example, yoga and Ayurveda. Now, I am not an Indian of Indian descent. However, I do understand how important it was to really understand the background, especially if I'm going to be having a profession out of this. So me taking the time to really understand um, the practices of yoga and where they stemmed from and just really immersing myself in a culture that wasn't mine. However, I just understood that I do need to honor Um, where these things, especially if I'm going to be making money off of them, (laughs) Um, and uh, how that that I shouldn't be practicing something that's not mine. And even understanding and diving deep into another culture made me realize, oh, I need to tap into my own roots as well. And so by tapping into my own roots, I started to realize like there's so much um, 
setbacks that we get uh, coming from indigenous cultures or, you know, being um, BIPOC women, basically. So that also encouraged me to bring more light or shed more light on um, just indigenous practices and how women of color can start to reclaim the practices that um, basically white women are, are practicing and making money off. <laughs> so it sounds like you touch upon cultural appropriation a lot in the work that you do. And I think that's incredibly important because I find that a lot of people don't always understand that nobody doesn't want you to take part and understand and educate yourself about this activity, but people need to understand how to do it correctly and respectfully. And a lot of people often go by the rule of thumb that it's kind of like bite and bite only for these types of things. So how, where, what is your thought on the idea of like cultural appropriation when it comes to what you're doing? Yeah, I think we've, uh, especially America, we're such a melting pot of different, um, you know, cultures. And so it's not to say like you can't, you know, immerse yourself in another culture that is not necessarily your ancestry lineage. Um, But I do think that just honoring, if you are going to really get into something, practice it on a daily basis or monetize it, I think that it is appropriate for that person to understand um, the background and to understand the history and just to understand the spiritual concepts behind it or the technical concepts behind it. So it's just really going back and understanding. um, It's like being a nomad, right? You walk into a land and now you have to like really immerse yourself in it, which is what, you know, 5,000 years ago, what that's what humans would do. If they wandered off, they'd have to like figure out how to live in that land and they would all of a sudden adapt to the culture and start to learn, you know, the philosophy or whatever. So it's basically just taking it back to basics um, when it comes to cultural appropriation. Um, And also just making sure that we're aware of these ancient practices that need to still have a voice. And maybe the voices have been taken away in the past because of colonization. Um, And so maybe we're, you're going to be the activated voice. And so uh, I just think just having that mindset and that awareness is like just game step one basically and step two would just be like okay what what i need to really become more aware of this so i'm not stepping on toes in a sense so true no that all makes total sense and i think that it's something that people need to be more aware of moving forward in general is that you can't try to know everything about something that's just not from your lineage your culture your upbringing uh you know i had an opportunity a couple of years ago to be a part of a Lakota Sundance. Uh, It's an indigenous native experience and it's a ritual that happens uh, during the summertime. And that's not something that I would have been able to be a part of or do or conduct unless I was directly friends with the people who invited me there. So part of it was understanding like we are guests in this environment and unfortunately in America we overlooked that a lot especially the white people who came and t- took everything away <laughs> right. and I always had to say like it's not about completely trying to say every person is like that but what it needs to be brought down to is it's a cultural understanding in America that not much that is here is here because we earned it it was all taken. Right. There's a difference so between earning and becoming a part of a culture versus seizing and murdering and just taking ownership. It's exact. It, I mean, that's just a grander scale of like little things like that. 
Right. It's a generational thing that's just been passed down. And spiritually, it takes seven generations to remove any type of um, generational you know, lineages uh, that have been passed down. So, you know, maybe we're starting barely to get into the awareness of like, maybe we need to break this colonization mindset thinking that we have from previous ancestors of things just being handed down to us and or us just taking it away. And so I think we are coming to a point in, in our world I mean, kind of ish. We, it's like we've moved two steps forward and five steps back. But um, at least, you know, this younger generation, I'm starting to realize we have this voice that's like, no, this is not right. Um, and, you know, there's more voices that are coming to rally together. And so it is going to be a little micro revolution. Uh, but I just think that it's taking that time to really you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take generations for us, but it's also empowering because, you know, my kids, for example, are going to grow up and they're going to have be way more open and understanding and less privileged in that sense, because they know that their mother and their father have modeled that to them to be um, mindful of different cultures and, and then for them to even understand what is a culture appropriation. Right. Right. Like I didn't even know what that was growing right. up. Right. And, and and part of it is exactly that. It's just learning new vocabulary and putting words to things that maybe didn't have labels before. Mm-hmm. I think that you made a great point about it's generational and it's going to continue getting better. I think it's definitely overwhelming when you see government figures and really strong political activists who root for exactly the opposite of what we want who are anti-progressive i think that the voices of the people who are for change and for this progression and for things that aren't even radical they just are human existence and things like that i think that there are far more of those individuals and far less of the people in power it's just where the people are and what they can do so i i always keep that in mind Social justice aside, why is the work that you do spiritually and with energy, how how has that helped you? Why is it important to you? And how long has it been something that's been a part of your life? Um, So I think that I've come from a background of, um, and everybody throws the word trauma out, but... I mean, it's fair. (laughs) um, Yes, yes. So there's been lots of traumatic events that have happened in my my life from childhood um, until like you know, even the aftermath sometimes still kind of could haunt people. So basically, um, I've had these deep setbacks in my life. And so I've at one point just got really wakened up in a sense to be like, wow, I need to take care of my health. So really, it just started from being scared from a medical condition that I I was diagnosed with um, at 2022. And um, I had also lost a child around that time. So it was just like life was just smacking me in the face. And um, I had to figure out how to get back up. And I didn't have the tools. I wasn't modeled the tools. And so, but I always was naturally very emotional, like sensitive like sensitive wise. Um, and I was always reading about like religion. I knew that I wasn't into it in a sense, but I loved the stories and all that stuff. So there kind of was a natural religious, um, or not religious, I would say spiritual, um, background behind me naturally. And then once I got all these diagnoses and, you know, things happened, um, I just realized, okay, I need to take care of my health. Life's too short, especially after losing a child. Um, that was like a rude awakening. So, 
I basically just really got into health as far as food. And that was weird, <laughs> but because I was just so focused on having a healthy diet. And then from that point, I just started realizing I need to take care of my mind. So then I would get into reading these health, self-help books and these psychology books. Um, and then from there, going into that, then I started um, kind of getting awake to like spirit and spirituality and what is this? So I literally took a yoga teacher training, didn't even practice yoga at the time, but for whatever reason, it was really called to me. So once I took that training, that kind of really opened the Pandora's box for me and it felt like I was stepping into this other side of the world that gave me permission to connect the dots with spirituality and how it's so deep and it is a mind body soul type of connection so I think I was already aware of the body part but I was just trying to find that connection like how do you mix it all together Um, and so doing different practices rituals tapping into spirit side taking care of my body eating healthy and taking care of my energy was one of the things that really helped me heal and be on the path to healing. I'm not going to say I would, I'm not ever healed because I really am not. There's just, when you lose a child or when you deal with, uh, you know, certain sicknesses that keep coming up, um, you're, you're kind of like dragged back down into the mud. So you have to use those tools, uh, to get back out. And the tools that I use are spiritual tools. So, um, I think because I'm my own, was my own guinea pig, that kind of, made me feel like like it made me feel more confident about bringing these out into the world and just sharing with uh, women how this is what I've used and this is coming from a person who's walked a lot of life um, and so just with these tools you can really uh, change your life pretty much that's amazing so I always say like grief is not something that goes away it's just something that gets a little smaller or changes size over time some mm-hmm. days it's bigger, some days it's smaller, and some days it's just set aside. It's fascinating that a lot of people, especially who have, I mean, there's an automatic trauma when you when you know that in society you're not the person who's going to be at the forefront of everything, or you're not going to be the priority when it comes to making major decisions in the world. And it's, 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 it's an innate trauma that just kind of sits with you. I mean, it's, it's overwhelming that every time we go to vote, we're not just voting for, you know, the town budget. We're voting for right. whether or not people are going to be able to do stuff that might hurt us or, or put us in jail or send you home in air quotations. Like, what does it, what, and then going <laughs> to what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So my background, again, I used to do a lot of spiritual work myself, and mostly a lot of it was very personal, and it was that same traumatic. I had, I was born with a health condition, and a mm-hmm. lot of it was rebuilding and going through a lot of the, like the shadow work that people might use that term for, going through why, you know, the, the why. Why am I in a position that I have this condition while I'm in this body for this lifetime? And how am I going to continue to work and get better and heal? And it's not something that you just eventually say, oh, it's done. It's lifelong. And part of it, I guess part of me thinks that's kind of the point, right? It's like, it's lifelong. It's supposed to be lifelong. That's <laughs> Right. Like if, if, if it was all solved tomorrow, then couldn't we just couldn't we just be done <laughs> like right and if you think it's lifelong then you're lying i mean not lifelong then you're right. lying to yourself because it's it's just always right. self there. self-care is a full-time job it's a mm-hmm. full-time job for sure so let's talk about 
the problem that you saw when starting your nonprofit, what was your ultimate goal? Aside from the spiritual work and the accessibility for BIPOC women and just communities that wouldn't always have access to this or would have this taken away quite often, what was the ultimate goal in creating the nonprofit for you? Uh, The ultimate goal, I think, was to bring these different practices to everyone, to all. And so I think that um, it was important enough for me to see where it needed to, where, where can I, where can we fill the gap? And so just by filling that gap, then we can start to make it to be universal in a sense, you know, you go to other countries and it's like universal healthcare and like, they don't have to go get a recommendation to go see an acupuncturist where we are like begging doctors, please, can we go do this alternative, you know, health modality or whatever. And, you know, you have to get referred and then you basically have to be like your arm halfway off in order for them to be like, sure. But I just think that, um, some of these things can just be solved by just going back to our roots, just going back to these again, practices that are very ancient and we can live in a modern world with ancient practices. And so it's just empowering um, us to all take charge of our own health and be our own advocate and not use, you know, the doctors to basically tell us like how to live life or have, or, you know, have like what you just said earlier, the voters tell us how we get to live our life with healthcare. So I think that's like overall is just making this more, making spirituality and, um, and holistic care a universal. That's really what it's all about, I think, is bringing yourself back to basics in a lot of ways. Like, we forget that our bodies can do pretty incredible things. We have a lot more abilities than we have given ourselves credit for because we often, we live in a country and a society where quicker is better. Mm-hmm. in our heads, but not necessarily for our bodies. So how do you go about providing these resources and educational opportunities to the communities that you're trying to target? Right. We are a baby nonprofit. So the goal eventually is to have our website so we can have directories of um, you know, healers that we have that we've created a relationship with. Um, and then we also plan to have our website be a platform for inspiration. So such as like, you know, blog post writings, um, guest speaker writings, things like that. And then um, the major gap is, or the major thing that we really want to work towards is um, bringing scholarships and grants to BIPOC women um, in communities that really need it. And so the idea is to raise money so that we can create scholarships to pay for uh, these BIPOC women to become certified. So whether they become yoga teachers, whether they become Reiki healers, um, you know, whatever it is that they choose to, that is under the umbrella of spirituality and wellness, um, we would like to basically fund them for that. And because the idea is that if if a woman of color is going to be offering, let's just say yoga, yoga classes, and she opens up a yoga studio in like, Um, I like to call them spiritual deserts because we have health deserts. So there's also spiritual deserts and make, you know, there's that one studio that pops up and it's like, oh, you know, who's that? What's that? And then all of a sudden, just that one woman of color just doing a yoga, maybe it's a class in the park or something. It's going to bring, it's going to bring everybody out because I noticed when I was um, teaching yoga, I would notice my classes were more diverse. So that was one of the things that I recognized that subconsciously, um, 
people of color tend to do is like, we don't even know that we're like, I don't know if I want to go to that person's class because they're Caucasian. We're not thinking like anything like that, but our mind for whatever reason, it's not comfortable. So, um, so I just think that if we just kind of remove that, I think that that will help, um, bringing, you know, these holistic practices to, um, diverse communities. It's kind of an innate need for people to go where they're most comfortable uh, in a lot of ways. So you're right, it is subconscious. And it's not even really to be disrespectful. It's to be comfortable. I mean, as a bisexual person, I'm more comfortable around people who are queer. Because I, cause there's just certain things that are understood without having to say them. There's a understanding that isn't there among people who haven't gone through that or haven't really been able to come out and live that way. So it's definitely understandable and definitely something that needs to be talked about in society. One of the things that we also need to see is this existence of multiple types of people and different experiences and more diversity and inclusion in not only our actual practices, businesses, and regular life, but also in like our presentation online and social media. That's one of the goals that I was setting out to solve was how do we show people that it's not all about the one standard of person of people. It's not all about this nine to five job situation. Some people, it just doesn't work for them. And some people, it just doesn't work that you live a life that's been laid out for you. Things change. Right. And that doesn't mean that it can be bad. It doesn't mean that it can be even better. It just means that you have to learn to roll with it. And that doesn't mean that that's an exclusively LGBTQ plus or BIPOC individual's experience. It just means that there are certain things that you have to be more concerned about when you when you know that you're going to get looked at a little bit differently in society. And when you're trying to do something as big as start a business, I mean, even still, it's it's not always as easy and it's still comes with challenges, but we're in a place where exactly like we said earlier, generationally, it's changing and that kind of paradigm shift is happening where we're saying like it's kind of obnoxious that we have members of our political offices who are still rooting against the majority of the country right yes that's pretty unfortunate obviously diversity and inclusion is significantly important there's no question about it and that's kind of the whole point of what we're talking about today Mm -hmm. but what does that look like for you in terms of your work and how you're making an impact in the world. And I guess ideally, what would you say a more diverse and inclusive environment with spiritual wellness in these spiritual deserts, what would that look like? Well, I think um, what it would look like is, you know, another, another Arlene walking in (laughs) maybe 10 years from now and wanting to start a business, wanting to, you know, tap into the spiritual, spiritual, um, holistic modalities and not walking into a room and feeling like you're the auto man or the auto person out. Um, and then also just, you know, having diverse, even like with the LGBTQ community, like I don't see any, any, like for example, yoga teacher, it's like very rare that I would just as rare as it would be me seeing um, an African-American woman teaching a yoga class. And I'm just picking on yoga, but there's like other modalities that I can like, I, I, yeah, I can, I can think of. Um, So it would just have a more diverse, um, you know, outlook on that and just an experience because there's things that I'm going to bring to the table. Like for example, um, 
you know, if you ever go into a yoga class and you pay attention to the music, like my music that I would bring to the table would be totally different than a person who is Asian or a person who's African-American or a person who's of Indian descent. Like that just alone would change the whole experience. And it's just having that as an example of music on how much that can even change the environment is something that's like minute compared to all the things that we could also be bringing to the table, which is having more diversity and inclusion um, when it comes to experiencing, you know, these spiritual holistic modalities. And I also think that um, you'll start to see a passion because for example, when I start to bring, you know, my Latin American things that I've learned, um, you know, my spiritual rituals and practices that I've learned and tapped into from Latin America, there's such a passion behind it because it's like, I can feel the ancestors behind me like, yes, yes, mija, like so proud. And like, and so once you start to, you know, bring in your own spiritual ancestry into these things you just become proud it's like i'm proud to wave that that flag you know when you go to other countries you start to see like the proud that people wave that flag not to say that we don't have that here in the united states but i think um i i do notice that there is like this lack of like this pride for our country sometimes when you go to other countries they're just like hoorah about it right so it would be almost the same idea like you come into a space and you're just accepting um it doesn't have to look a certain way you know you don't have to wear these clothes you don't have to pretend to wear that you even like these outfits like you could just show up and whatever um so it's just it making it um really basic to be honest super basic like Again, like I said earlier, just going back to 5,000 years ago when you were nomads wandering around and people were like, hey, come hang out with my tribe. And you're like, okay, cool. I look totally different, but they're welcoming me. Like it's the same exact idea. It's just hard for us to tap into that because there's so many commercials and um, social media and we need to look like this and we look like that. We need to be like this. We need to talk like this. But if we allow ourselves to be more diverse um, than I, and open to that, then I think that alone will change uh, the future of spirituality and wellness. It's as simple as just opening your eyes and being able to then open your heart to just new concepts and things that are outside of yourself mm-hmm. for just a minute. And that's true of any culture and any country, any society. It's just everybody lives differently than you do. Even a matter of the people who might live down the street live completely different compared to you. Right. And... The same is true about everybody you'll meet in daily life. And that's just, it's important to be aware of that. And it's important to be able to say that you're okay with that. And when the opportunity arises, you're also okay with embracing it and understanding it and immersing yourself in it in an appropriate and respectful way. Yes. And I think, um, too, that I I personally like to understand foundations of things. Like I'm that nerd that's like, okay, let me know the history behind all this. Um, And so that also, I think once we, you know, bring these um, histories out and stuff, I think, and basically allowing people to be okay with asking questions. Because sometimes people are shy to ask questions because they feel like they might be stepping on somebody's toes just by asking. But it's like, well, how are we supposed to learn from each other if we don't ask if we are okay with maybe maybe the question's offensive but at least this person is trying to understand so I think there's a lot of judgment around just even asking questions like how dare this person it's like 
yeah, but maybe again, unfortunately, that person's naive enough, right? right? So maybe I could just suck it up a little bit and kind of teach them and show them and, and maybe even talk to them about it. It's just communication too is, is another thing that I see is lacking. Right. I touched upon this in the previous episode that I did and I talked about the idea of, I always say you can ask me once respectfully, but mm-hmm. then it's on you to continue to practice that understanding. Like if I tell you somebody's pronouns and then when you get angry at them or there's an argument or something that happens and you decide not to use the correct pronouns because they don't deserve to be validated that way. It's things like that. We've already told you once you do not need to be informed again. Now it's on you to be a respectful and mindful human being of the fellow human beings that exist around you. And I always say you can ask, but just be respectful. That's it. I get also why people might not want to be the person to give that information out. Like I often say, Google is free. Right. True. <laughs> you, 100%. There's libraries. Right. And <laughs> it's not as simple as saying like, I have black friends or I have friends from the Latinx community or friends from uh, friends who are queer. Like it's not as simple as that. Or, do you have genuine relationships with people and understand their lived experience enough that it makes you feel a little bit upset that we have failed right. a lot of people in this country mm-hmm. and you know it's it's making these genuine connections and being an ally to all of these different communities and meeting them and understanding intersectionality and how that works so arlene it's been really awesome talking to you today and i want to make sure that people know where to find you so if people are going to go look for any of the things that you do where can they find you on social media online what should they look for and how can they reach out to you for anything that you do Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so for the nonprofit, um, you would just head over to our Instagram. We do. We are in the process of creating a website. Um, just we're waiting for certain approvals when you're a nonprofit and such. But it is going to be the boldosmovement.com. So if you tend to listen to this like months later, um, that's where you'll probably be able to find us. But also Instagram is our main um, social media outlet of choice. So sending us a direct message. Um, also, we have a link tree where you can donate to us. We might have um, our information for future events that we're doing to raise money. Um, um, we will also have um, uh, a sign up there for a newsletter if you're interested in volunteering with us. Um, you don't have to be based in San Diego for it to be a volunteer. Um, so that's like one of the easy spots to get to just to kind of get access to everything. And then as far as my personal business, Luna Soul Wellness, I would say the same thing. Just go over to my link tree, check it out. I'll have you know different workshops or different things that I'm working on personally for my business. And um, I do have a Facebook, but I also have my website, which is lunasoulwellness.com. And all of this will be in the podcast description as well as the transcript. Well, thanks for joining me today, Arlene. And I can't wait to connect again. I'd love to have you back and I'd love to be able to continue doing more. So Arlene Salcido, everybody. Thank you. 